Amen. Amen. Got your Bible, go ahead and turn to the book of 2 Thessalonians, chapter 2. We're going to be looking at the. Uh, I don't know if we'll get through all this or not. I think we might. There's a lot of stuff to look at in it. Uh, this is not Old Testament, but the New Testament is not silent on the end time either. Jesus taught a lot about it in Matthew and other in other Gospels, and especially in Matthew chapter 24, uh, Paul talked about it, and uh, especially to the Thessalonians. Thessalonians had a lot of questions about about people dying and what happens, you know, when they die. I, don't, I guess they had the idea if they weren't living and they're already dead, that nothing they, they wouldn't go anywhere. So this is the scripture, the, the uh, book that he writes uh, and tells them about the, uh, the resurrection of the dead and the, and the coming of Christ for his saints. Uh, somebody, if you would, read for me these. i tell you what, let's go ahead and just start uh, with the first five verses. Somebody read me the first five verses, please. I will. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him, that ye may be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter as from us, as the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceiveth you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin he revealed the son of perdition. Who opposeth and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he as a God sitteth in the temple of God, showeth himself that he is God. Remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things. Okay, so let's, uh, let's have a word, uh, another word of prayer, Lord. Thank you for your word. Help us, Lord, to understand it, to grasp it, and, and Lord, help us uh, through the Holy Spirit, God, be able to comprehend uh, what these scriptures are going to be telling us tonight, Lord. And I know there's a lot of different ideas, and, and uh, Lord, so we know there's one truth, but sometimes the different and opposing ideas are both true. And it's not opposing each other, it's just that we don't get a full understanding of what the Scripture tells us. And sometimes there's so much evidence that, that points to ideas and we want to isolate one when all of them may be true at the same time. So Lord, help us to see these things tonight in your Word and to help, help us to understand it more clearly. God, these things that are going to take place uh, in our future. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. First thing I want to call your attention to is in the first two verses there is a theme. Uh, when, you, when you read this, these uh, first 12 verses especially and on, uh, it, it kind of sets the tone in verse uh, 1 and 2 as to, as to who he's talking about and, the, and, the, and what he's wanting to try to help them with. And uh, he, he tells us that uh, he's talking about the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ in verse 1. And, and not only the coming of the Lord, and by our gathering together unto Him. So he's talking about the Lord coming, and he's talking about the gathering together to Him. 
Now we know that uh, Paul later on in these same in these uh, same letters to the Thessalonians calls it the, the uh, being caught up. So here he calls it the gathering together unto to him. Either way, he's talking about the saints uh, and Christ coming together again. And then in verse two, he, he addresses what's what's the trouble them right now. He said, I don't want you to be shaken in mind or be troubled neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter as from us as that day of Christ is at hand. So hey, they're, they're troubled. There's, there's things going on. There's things that they're hearing. There's things that they don't really understand. But uh, they, they know that Jesus Christ is coming. And, and from the day Jesus ascended, they started talking about him coming back. And so in all these writings, they're going to talk about the day of the Lord is at hand. His, his returning is at hand. And so he told them up front that he didn't know the day, he didn't know the hour, he didn't know the time that he would come back on the Father in heaven knew that. And so Jesus, when he ascended, uh, became that role, uh, that got that role of all things that were in his hand. But there's a designated time set forward by the Father when Jesus Christ will come. And so Jesus at that time didn't tell them what that was because he said he did not know what time that was. And so uh, I believe what Christ said, don't you? Yeah. And it's hard for us to understand the Trinity that, uh, uh, that, uh, of God, but uh, this is one thing that shows when Jesus said my Father is greater than I am, this is some of the things he was talking about. And the reason Jesus said that is because as a man on earth, and even as God in the flesh, he was still subjected to the Father above and everything the Father had set into motion. That's what he was trying to tell people and show by example that the Father was greater than him. He had to answer to the Father. He talked to the Father. He, that's who he prayed to and talked to. And he said, I've come to do my Father's will. I've come to please my Father. I've come to glorify my Father. I've come to obey my... Everything he said was to the Father. So that's that's the reason he wanted us to get that. And he made a way for us, Jesus did, for us to come before the Father in prayer. That's what his death accomplished for us, one of, one of the things. So these people were shaken in mind. He didn't want them to be troubled uh, in their spirit, nor by word, nor by letter of us, that, that the day of Christ is at hand. So. This shows us of a time that he, he says is coming soon. Now we've got to remember, time is only relevant to, to us that live in time. God does not live in time. He lives in eternity. And that, that, that frustrates us and it bewilders us too. Because we can't understand what infinity is. We can't understand uh, what uh, living in in. Uh, and uh, uh, eternity is we can't understand things not coming, dying, and leaving. We cannot, we can't comprehend that because none of us have experienced any of that or can understand it at all. And so, when it says that the time of the Lord is at hand, uh, it can mean a thousand, two thousand, three thousand, four thousand, five. You know, Peter explained it pretty good. He said that uh, you know, a thousand years in one day is no different to God. Thousand years to us is like a day to him. Two thousand years to him is like two days. I mean, it's, it's like two days to him. And so uh, this is this is the thing that bewilders us and, and stymies us that these things are talked about like they're happening 
And the reason they're talked about like they're happening at any moment is because God has said they would happen and they know they will. So we need to always approach the Word of God with that. When He says it's going to happen, it is. When, if He gives us a date and a time, it will. If He gives us a geographical location, that's where it'll happen. But it always don't happen the way we try to think that it's going to happen. And so if you'll notice in our study of Revelation, He never gives a, a date. He don't give a specific time unless he's talking about maybe sun up or sundown. He may mention something like that, but he'll never give you a date or a time like that, nor does he give geographical locations, okay, where these events and these kind of uh, catastrophes that we've studied about take place. When he says that the giant, um, the mountain would fall into the ocean, he don't tell us which ocean. There's lots of them. They're all connected but he don't tell us where that's going to be. And so he don't tell us a lot of things, so we speculate. And so, by the way, have y'all noticed, you know, I remember what I told y'all about Iceland being the biggest volcano in the world? It's erupting. It's still it's, it's, it's erupting. It's erupting right? And now they're predicting a major eruption. They and might have to run the foot of Greenland. Yeah, <laughs> you know, that, that little old city of about 1,500 they evacuated, it's going to start burning the town down. And they got them out, but it's burning their houses and stuff uh, right now. And so it, it's crazy the way that thing, and it's got several uh, places that the lava, they show up on the area view, and that stuff is shooting up, and it just, it'll make a big split, and that lava just starts jumping up out of it and running, running off. And so we're seeing those things already, and I thought that was ironic, that right after we talked about that being the biggest volcano in the world, it erupted about, it started to erupt. And it's, it's not just one gigantic uh, volcano, it's made up of, of uh, I think there's 14 to 15 volcanoes on this one big mountainous island is what it is. And, and so some of them are erupting right now. And so it was just, to me, when I saw that, Nita said, why don't you come look to this? She was watching it on the news, and I said, what is she? She said, Iceland, you just got through talking about that, and it's erupting. And so these are things I think that gives us uh, ideas from the Word, how things, these things could come to pass. But he's talking to these folks here about not being shaken in their mind. So there's something that's at play that, that's going on. And uh, he said, uh, uh, don't be troubled in your spirit, nor by word, nor by letter, as from us, uh, because that day of the Lord is coming. And so Paul gives a warning then in verse 3. And, and the first words he says in verse 3 is, let no man deceive you. And so when you, when you look at that, you, you wonder if the things that he's talking about, that they're shaking in their mind, they're troubled in their spirit, uh, they're troubled by the word that they're hearing, they're troubled by the, what's being written, that it's not caused by men who are deceiving them and leading them away from the truth. I think that's one of the great issues of our day is there's so many different beliefs, so many different ideas, so many different, and some of it, but to be honest with you, it, it's just plain poppycock. It's just plain, but people listen to it. And so uh, they, the, the word is constantly being changed, and that's one of the things that deception does. It changes the truth into non-truth. It makes a lie the truth, and it tries to make the truth a lie. 
And if it don't do that, they try to change the truth, change it. And we've seen that going on for years. And I've told y'all this a million times. It just, it just bugs me that we're consistently trying to change the word of God and change the wording of the word of God to make it, make it less offensive to people. Think about that. And so it, perhaps these people were coming to the Thessalonians and they were, they were preaching something that hadn't, they hadn't heard before, that they hadn't been taught by Paul and the other apostles that they hadn't heard preached. And so they, this had them troubled. And they were shaken with this. So he said, let no man de deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come. Now what day is he talking about? The day of the coming of the Lord. That's what he, he that we that that's what this is all about. Uh, and by the, the our gathering together unto him, it's about Jesus Christ coming by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and by our gathering together unto him. So this is the theme of the, of these verses here. And he says so. Uh, uh, it starts off by deception. Okay, are we being deceived today? Is there any? Is there people being deceived? Now, it says, he said, for this day shall not come. Now, this is the Holy Spirit speaking through Paul. Uh, he, he, uh, he may or may not have read any of the Gospels. I don't even know if the Gospels had been written by the time these letters are written. I doubt very seriously he had access to the Gospel. So he knew from the Holy Spirit what to tell these people. And so he said, he said, so this day shall not come except there come a falling away first. Now, there, there's two ideas uh, about, uh, about this falling away. If you want to look over, and, and we've used this scripture already, and I didn't, I didn't mark these tonight, y'all, I'm sorry. Uh, so Matthew chapter 24, uh, verses uh, 4 and 5, uh, Jesus said, uh, uh, answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And so when he's talking about, he, he starts this off about deception, and then he says, don't, don't be deceived by these people. Don't, don't let your, your mind be troubled. Don't be troubled in your spirit, because there are certain things that must come about before Christ comes. And one of the first things that he mentions here, there's going to be a falling away. Now, there's two ideas, and they're major ideas. One is that there's going to be a falling away from the church. That there's going to be people who just quit going to church. Well, the, the thing about that is, we, we think about, okay, churches are empty. There's not many people. Let me let me go. I, I'm gonna tell you. We'll get to that when you're talking about the men. That 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 if people quit coming to church, that this is the sign. I think I think the two major ideas. One of them is that there's going to be a great falling away away from Christianity, and then the other one is that the falling away is the gathering the gathering together that Paul's talking about in verse one. That instead of it being a falling away from God, it's a gathering to God. It's going to be the church is going to be removed. Well, in my opinion, both are correct. Yes, yep. they are. They are correct. And here's the reason I say that. We're going to read it here in a little bit that, that, that he can't come until something is removed. That's what he says. And we haven't got to that part yet. 
But what I want you to understand is the great falling away. And what you hear now is the great revival going on in the country. Thousands and thousands are... Well, the great falling away is not people not being in church. It's not people not joining the church. It's people who are not hearing the truth. The falling away that's happening right now is not caused by people not going to church. It's caused by people believing the lie. And so the truth has been changed and made into a lie. And the mega churches and where you see the thousands and thousands of revivals going on, and I made the remark to y'all the other day, I would like to know what they heard that caused the revival. Have you ever noticed that's never been said? Have y'all noticed that? Yeah. When, when, you, when you look, you can look, Google it, you can do whatever you want to, and all they talk about is somebody came into this room and started praying, and this man got up and spoke. Never says what he says. I've never heard his message that started all this. And so what did they hear that set this into motion? And then as the, as the young people began to pray, they dismissed classes and it just kept happening and kept happening. It, it sounded great, sounded like a move of God, but what was the truth that they heard? It's important because the Bible says that truth will set you free. The lie won't. Mm -hmm. The non-deception will set you free and give you information. The deception will not. And so we see our mega churches and gigantic churches and, and people by the thousands and hundreds of thousands that follow these evangelists with these mega churches and we know most of them do not preach truth. Anytime they tell you it's okay to sin, they're a liar and the truth ain't in them. Amen. Let me tell you, that is exactly what the scripture is talking about are the deceivers and the spirit of Antichrist that's here. They want to take the word of God and make the word of God of none effect. And they want their word. And, and they'll never mention wrath. They'll never mention reproof. They'll never mention repentance. They won't mention these things. They talk about love. And everybody just getting along. And all this kind of good stuff. And that's what people want to hear. And they also say you can you can do this and still be God's child. You can do that and still be God. It's all lies. Yep. And, and, and they're told that, and so they, they, they're, they're not preached the Word of God, not preached the truth of God. And Jesus said, made it bluntly, except you repent, you will all likewise perish. Repentance must come. That comes through reproof by the Word and correction through the Word. That's the only way it can come. And when you tell people they haven't got to do that, you're a liar. See, they all got these, but they don't read them. No, they don't read them. They don't know what's in that book. They don't know what's in the book. They know he'd be... I think that's the answer. The young people, the college people, and all this kind of stuff are the ones that you know, uh, don't know nothing about nothing to start with there, you know? Yeah. And there's a lot of people get saved that don't know nothing about things. And that's what, that's what the, the preacher and the teachers are supposed to do is help them understand and teach them to study the Word. I'm, I'm tickled to death in this church how y'all are reading your Bibles, how you're reading and studying and hungry for for things like Revelation, we did Genesis through Deuteronomy, then we did the book of St. John, and, and, and now we're in Revelation, and so we've done a lot of study, and we've gone, we've gone meticulously, not, not 
three or four or five chapters at a time. We've gone meticulously through verses. And, and so that is Bible study. And you get to put it under a microscope and you see that, that, some, that God, and, and see, they say, well, God never changes. He can change if he wants to. Amen? Now, he's, he's normally going to go by his word, but what we noticed in, in Genesis through Deuteronomy, there was progressive updating of what God did. In other words, at one time, men were allowed to marry their sisters. They had to be. Wasn't nobody else around. So if they were going to procreate, it had to be with their sisters. Abraham was married to Sarah, his half-sister, that same daddy. And, but later on, the Lord said, we ain't doing that no more, and he forbid that. Okay? And, and so that's what I'm talking about. He, it's not that he said you can't, he allowed things, and then all of a sudden he quit allowing for those things. Give you another example. The Old Testament says uh, eye for an eye or a tooth for a tooth. They had the, the cities of refuge for people to flee into, uh, and if they found them guilty, they'd kick them out and let the other families take care of them. But if they, if they couldn't prove their guilt, they had to stay in this city of refuge and, it, and, and as long as they were there, they were safe. But if they ever came back out and a family member killed them from a family that they had abused, nothing was done. But Jesus came along, he said, ain't no more like, it ain't like that no more. It ain't an eye for an eye or tooth for a tooth. It's not like that. Why Christ had come change everything. So God, don't, say, don't ever say God can't change. He, I know he said, I'm the Lord your God, and I change not. And that means that he's always been sovereign and he can do what he wants to do. Now remember that. Now, does, he, does he lie to us about salvation and change that? No, he don't. But he, he required Israel to, to uh, sacrifice animals, blood sacrifices. You know what? There was a time in the history of the Old Testament prophets when he said, I don't accept them no more. He did. It ain't no good to me no more. Read Isaiah chapter 1. And, and he tells it that they make him sick. And so this is what God does. And, that, and these people that do these sacrifices, oh, God don't change. We, we still do this. He'll take the blood of this animal. No, he wouldn't. Because it didn't mean nothing to the person performing it. So it didn't mean anything to God. Amen? Amen. <laughs> I mean... That's what repentance brings. If you're if you're sorry and repent for what you're doing, you're supposed to turn away from. It. That's repentance, not just getting forgiveness and doing it again. And so, this is things that we have to be careful of in the Word of God. So He said, "There's this this great falling away that's going to come first. Well, we're seeing a falling away, and we all. How many of you believe that church membership you can go to heaven if you're just a member of the church?" Now, why do, you, why do we say that? And yet we try to get people to join the church, don't we? But it's not about the membership. There's a lot of people who are members of the church going to split hell wide open. Relationship. I mean, because there's more to it than just coming to the front, shaking the preacher's hand and turn around saying, well, y'all accept me, yeah, we'll vote on you and do it. That ain't nothing unless it's done through, from the heart through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen? And so, we already know that church membership won't do it. So the falling away ain't got nothing to do with the church membership falling away. 
But it does have something to do with the truth of God's word that it's meaningless to them. That's a great, and we've seen that and witnessed that. And in the last 20, 25, 30 years, we have seen the great falling away of the church of God because they have changed the word of God and what is sin. They have redefined what is sin and what God will accept. What God said is an abomination to them when they preach it is no longer an abomination. That's a falling away. And so these people have been deceived. That's what he said. Let no man deceive you. They have been deceived. They have changed the truth. And they believed the lie because it appealed to them fleshly and, and carnally. And we know if they knew the word, well, Jeremiah, if they knew the word, they would know you can't please God in the flesh. You can't please God carnally. You can only please God by obeying him and being spiritually pure. Okay? Now, any questions right here? That's why Paul says in Galatians that anybody that teaches the doctrine other than the apostolic doctrine shall be accursed. Mm -hmm. He says, if you preach something different, you, you know, that, and that's what's going on in the world mostly now. Yeah. And uh, they're going to be cursed by it. Uh, they'll never receive the blessing of God or the truth. They won't know how to what to respond to. Nope. It's they don't know how to believe man and, and, and going into their minds and, and it's not reaping any fruit at all. So spiritually. the great deception is instead of having faith in God, you have faith in the man that's proclaiming it to you. And that's what you see. You see a following of men. And we've seen that over the years. How many of you ever knew of a church that had a preacher that was well thought of and that preacher left and that church just died on the vine? I mean, went away. Have you ever seen that? It's like, if he ain't there no more, I ain't going. Yeah. If he ain't there no more, if it, 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 he, he makes the church. No, he don't. I don't. I'm not the church. I don't make the church. This church belongs to Jesus Christ. And he makes the church. Amen. Yes. He, and he said... I can make these stones rise up and speak for me. And so the man is not who we follow. The God of that man is who we follow. Now, I said that. I said that. Because sometimes the God of the man ain't Jesus Christ. The God of the man is the deceiver himself. So ain't that Pastor Bruce who ain't him. And now, Andy Stanley either. Now, now, you think about some of these names that, that you hear about and listen to some of the ignorance that they preach. And what boggles my mind, they got people that follow them because they're preaching to them what they want, the way they want to live. Kenneth Copeland. Oh, my God. I can't even stand that guy that they look like it. Yeah, he looks yeah. evil, though. Yeah, he does. I mean, everyone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So... <clears throat> There, there, there must come first a falling away. And so this falling away that he's talking about and through this deception that he's talking about is the truth being deceived. The truth is causing people not to leave the churches but to believe a lie that don't do them any good to be in the church. Okay? And so the other thing is that the falling away is Christ is going to come get the church. And I believe they work together. I believe it's both of them that working together because the ones that are deceived are not going to be called away. Okay? 
And so, but in verse 1, he's talking about the gathering together unto Jesus Christ at his coming. The coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him. So that sets a precedent for the rest of this. And then he talks about that and, and then he puts an and in there and that man of sin be revealed. So when he makes this statement about the falling away, he, and, and this gives credence to the, to the idea that the falling away is the rapture, is being caught up, is the gathering together to Christ. That they're, they're falling away from the earth, they're falling away, they're leaving. And, 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 and then he says, and that the man of sin, that the man of sin may be revealed. So the falling away has to happen before the man of sin can be revealed. And, and you know, I hear a lot of people say things like, well, we're in the midst of the great tribulation right now. No, we are not. <clears throat> we are not in the tribulation right now. Earth pains and sorrows. I mean, you know, so I don't know where people get this, that, that the horsemen have already turned loose and they're already diving down in the earth. Now, we see this great time leading up there. I'm going to tell you what, when the tribulation starts, you're going to know it. These people are going to know it. Yeah, yep. Big time. It's going to be something that ain't going to be... I had to think about this. I had to wonder about this. Jesus told us and warned us, when you see these signs that, that we see right now approaching, don't be alarmed. The time is not yet. What He said. Didn't he? He said, "Don't, don't." When you hear of all these things going on in the world and all these things that's happening, don't be alarmed. Don't worry. The time is not yet, and we're in that time right now that the alarms are going off. We know that because we know before the man of sin, before that time of tribulation occurs, Christ is going to come get us, and that's what we're dealing with here. That's what he told them uh, in the. Uh, in chapter uh, in First Thessalonians chapter four, about uh, about the Lord coming from uh, from heaven with a shout of the archangel, yeah. and so He's talking in, in Thessalonians one and two. He's talking about Christ coming back and gathering the people that are saved to Himself. That's what is, that's what the theme of all this is. But in, in the midst of this, He talks. He begins to talk to us about the end time. That that comes after that, and, and he talks about the man of sin uh, that that will uh, be uh, revealed, and uh, and he calls him something here, the son of perdition. Let's run over here to, to uh, Timothy chapter one, First Timothy chapter one, and uh, and look at uh, no First Timothy chapter four, excuse me, and look at uh, verse. One and he says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith. That, and and uh, when I said a while ago that they're deceived but from the truth is what that's talking about. And listen to this giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. That's what you hear. That's the lie that you see that we witness right now of people who have joined churches by the thousands because they're being preached this kind of stuff. They're being seduced into church membership. Now, for what reason? <laughs> Go look at the houses of some of them folks that preaching in the church. Go look at their bank account. Look how many jets they have. Look how many horse ranches they got. 
Look at their beaches. Look at the multiple houses they have and vacation sites and fancy places all over the world. That's what they're after. A lot of them houses are in the church's name so they don't have to pay taxes. <laughs> I'm the, yeah. But I know places right here in Queen City that's in the church's names that ain't nothing. They got a church inside of them, but they ain't churches. They don't pay taxes on that. That's right. And so Paul warns Timothy about this. The Spirit speaketh expressly, talk about the Holy Spirit, that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Now these preachers up here telling them people that are homosexual, it's a normal thing. They just that's what they felt all their life. They just follow their natural expression. God knows that, He understands that, He made them that way. Flies. That is a seducing spirit to someone who has trouble with those things, same way with adultery, fornication, that, that oh, it's okay to do that. It, it, God made you to desire each other. God made you to lust after each other. Yep, and they but use you, Hollywood and media and but, everything else to back it up. But all that's depart from the truth. And if you listen to man, you think it's okay. But you know what you're preaching, teaching right now is clarified something for me, and it's this. Just like the scripture you read, and... Some of those we talking about depart from the faith. There has been people use those scriptures as falling away chapters and verses that you can lose your salvation. Exactly. That's not what it's talking about. It's talking, talking about, about men in the so-called perceived church is departing from the truth and That's preaching right. something else. Yeah, and they preach the eternal salvation as a deception. <laughs> it's not. But preaching that you can lose your salvation when Jesus makes us a promise, he that believeth on me shall have everlasting life. And why, why would he seal you with the Holy Ghost and then take it off? Yeah, you've been sealed with the Holy Ghost. He why would he justify you and sanctify you yeah. and all that in Ephesians 1 right then? How, how about the promise he made, I will never leave you nor forsake you? What about those promises that he made? Are they meaningless because he got mad at you because you messed up and sinned or you backslid? No. No. It does not mean that. And so they, they, they keep, people keep pointing the finger at the other one. You're preaching this right here. We don't believe you're a deceiver. And we do the same thing to them. But, but the, the Bible is plain about what this deception looks like. And they're seducing spirits that take the truth of God's word and, and, uh, and make a lie out of it and bring people to believe because they're, they're seducing them to live the way they want to and they're teaching them what Paul called uh, in, in 1 Timothy 4 and 1, doctrines of devils is what they're preaching. Yeah, you can live together. Yeah, you can. it's okay. You're still going to heaven. That's a doctrine of the devil. Amen? And you're reducing adding to the church because the spirit is not moving in that mess less people's getting saved I mean they might be through missions and different things but it's inching closer to the end of the Gentiles mm -hmm. and what completes it I believe is the falling away unless the falling away comes first that word it, in the Geneva Bible 1599 was one of the last newer versions of the Bible that was in Latin it said rapturo, which is the same as harpazo in the Greek in this text. It means the same thing. It's catching away or removal 
a departure. Yeah. Falling away can be a mean departure so as, as easy as it can mean running away from Basically, something. sounds like it's saying that the rapture will culminate, or the falling away that's happening now will culminate to a point to where it ends by the catching away. Yeah. And so what, what, the, what this tells us because of the different definitions of falling away, if it means departure, running away, if it means leaving the tribulation, I'm all for running away, aren't y'all? I believe it's what it's saying. And, and, and I, I, I tend to agree that both of those major ideas are both true. Yeah. And they work in conjunction with each other. So what are they, what people are, who, why do you gotta be right? Just believe both of them. Because we actually see the falling away uh, that that, uh, that everybody else thinks that, uh, that he's talking about. Let me give you another scripture in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2 and 3. And I'm going to go ahead and read one. Uh, Paul's talking to Timothy. He said, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. And look what he tells him. Preach the word. What he said. Be instant, in season, out of season. Now look at how he says he wants him to preach. And I get, people tell me I get tired of hearing you reprove. And listen to what he told Timothy to preach. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. That's what he told him to preach. We have to rebuke people and reprove people from their sin. We have to tell them when sin is occurring in their life. You don't just say, Todd, I seen what you did. You preach the word. You preach the word and that addresses the situations of the lives of the people in your congregation. You preach that in his word. Well, not you picking on one person or reading everybody's mail. You can't do that. <laughs> no. You don't mean that. No, I have I've been out there and greet people on the way out the door and, and I have five or six people, boy, you've stepped all over my toes today. And then I have one said, that makes me so mad. You know what? You know me. You, you're preaching at me. That's what I hear all the time. No, that's conviction. That's right. That's conviction by the Holy Spirit. And what you do, instead of blaming the, the messenger, you're supposed to be at the altar repenting because he says, rebuke and exhort. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort. Now, rebuke takes place when somebody just openly sinning in the church and making a, a, a spectacle of themselves, you rebuke that. You go talk to them. You call them out. Now, that gets in a, a place we're not talking about if you don't like the way somebody's acting, you start judging and, and kick them out. Ain't what he's talking about. Amen? I mean, if I see somebody coming here naked, what am I supposed to do? Say, oh, come on in, sit down, you need to be in church. <laughs> Think about it. That's the kind of stuff he's talking about. As a matter of fact, and which letter was it? Which letter? Which letter? Paul had a, 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 a church where a, a, young, a boy was having a, 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 an incestuous relationship with, with his father's wife that was first in the church. Yeah. It was in 1 Corinthians, in the church. And this is where he said, y'all got to address this. you got to rebuke this. And they did. In 2 Corinthians, the boy had listened to him, and he had repented. And Paul said, now it's time to welcome him back to the fellowship. That's what it's talking about here. 
And so he told him, he said, you preach this, this you preach it, and you be instant in season, out of That means you preach the same message all the time, in season, out of season, and be ready to give an account for this. Reprove, rebuke, exhort, with all long-suffering and doctrine. You said a while ago about the devil's doctrine, or the, the scripture did, about the doctrine of the devil. Yeah. Jesus' doctrine is the gospel. It's the power of God and salvation. Jesus' doctrine is what he said in his Gospels. That's the doctrine of Jesus Christ. Okay? At the end of the, of the Sermon on the Mount, and at the end of chapter 7 in Matthew, uh, it tells it was a strange doctrine that Jesus was preaching and teaching. And so that was his doctrine. That's only a part of it. Now, what is the doctrine of the devils? The doctrine of devils is what Satan used in the very beginning of time. What was his doctrine? He twisted it. He changed the word of God. When God said, thou shalt surely die, what did the devil tell him? Thou shalt not surely die. What do we see today by deception? Those very things changing the word. He, ch he added one word. And sin fell on the whole world. That's what he's talking about here. He don't stop there. Father, now listen to this. Now why do why do people why do people preach this? Why are they making millions of people? There's a reason. In verse 3 of 2 Timothy chapter 4, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Who are they? The hearers of the word. But after their own lust shall they heap up to themselves, now listen to this, teachers having itching ears. We're going to hire somebody to preach to us and preach what we like to hear. We're going to hire somebody that preaches what we want to hear. And if he can't preach what we want to hear, we're going to get rid of him. Y'all, these churches are just around us real close. They can't keep preaching five days. Five months, half a year. There's some of them said six, seven preachers in the last four, five years. Something's wrong. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you gonna preach what I tell you, or you won't preach around here. God help us. Sad <laughs> to say, those folks, if they saw a miracle happen, probably wouldn't phase them. Kind of like, like what the rich man said, send my. You know, go tell my brothers not to come to this place. <laughs> you remember? Mm -hmm. He said, you, you, if somebody was to resurrect from the dead, they wouldn't listen to them. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Just keep on doing what you're doing. Yeah, they just keep on doing what they're doing. That's what they told them, the, the, the rich man was. Yeah. Yeah. It also calls him here in verse 3, if we're back in 2 Thessalonians again, chapter 2, uh, not the, about the falling away first, the man of sin will be revealed. And then he calls the man of sin something else. What does he call him here? The son of perdition. The son of perdition. I got thinking about that. Who else in the scripture was called the son of perdition? Judas. Judas Iscariot. Judas Iscariot was called the son of perdition. If you look in, uh, let me, I wish I would mark these. John chapter, let's see if I can find it again. Chapter 17. John chapter 17, uh, verse 12. Oops, I just lost it. I was there. John 17, but somebody is already there, go ahead and read that for me. Here it is, I got it. 
While I was with them in the world, I kept them in my name. This is Jesus talking. Those that gave us me, I, thou gavest me, I kept, and none of them is lost, but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. Now, he was the son of perdition. Why was he called the son of perdition? He was called the son of perdition because he stood against uh, Jesus Christ. He changed uh, everything, and and and, uh, and and he was actually the one that 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 turned on Jesus Christ and and fed him to the the wolves, if you will. But there, there's also uh, another scripture in Luke uh, that I was wanting to look at, Luke chapter 22. He was money hungry, also. Yeah, Luke chapter 22, verse three. Listen to what it says here. Then entered Satan into Judas. When he ate the bread. Then entered Satan into Judas. So the son of perdition betrayed Christ and was filled with Satan. The Antichrist is called the son of perdition. Why? For the same reasons. He's filled with Satan. Satan gives him his power. And that's why I get this, that, uh, that he's, uh, he's the, he's the imitation of Jesus Christ, who was God in the flesh, he is Satan in the flesh. All the power was given to Jesus by the Father, all the power was given to Antichrist by Satan himself, by the dragon. The dragon and the Father are synonymous in that uh, the Father is the head of the, of the Trinity, uh, uh, and uh, and the dragon is the head of them, Holy Trinity. And so I hope these things, I'm not confusing y'all with this kind of stuff right here. And so something else he tells us about the Antichrist. Who opposeth, this is verse 4 of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God. We saw in Revelation where this happens. The abomination of Desolation mentioned in the book of Daniel that Jesus Christ also spoke about. This has to be fulfilled, and that is when Antichrist sets himself up as God in the temple of God. And that's why people say, well, that's why the temple's got to be built again. Because he's got to do that. Because the word says so. And a lot of people say, well, this event has already happened. No one hasn't. I told y'all that this last Sunday, if you'll remember what I told you. They think that, uh, that uh, in, in 176 B.C., the, the uh, Syrian king, I can't remember his name now, uh, he, he, uh, he went into the temple and set up the hell, uh, worship of the Helen. He, he set up Hellenism in the temple and he sacrificed a pig at the altar. But Jesus in A.D., not B.C., A.D., said that this would have to happen before the end time. At, at the end time, Jesus said that the abomination of the of desecration that Daniel spoke about hadn't happened yet. Okay? So the one that everybody claims happened, happened before Christ was ever born. So who, who do you believe? Them or Jesus? I believe Jesus Christ, don't you? And so we know then that that desecration of, of uh, Abomination of desecration is going to be fulfilled by Antichrist. But, but you know what? Even though that that one happened 167 
B.C., why would Jesus said the one that Daniel spoke of if that was it? That's right. It, that wasn't it because he's telling the new crowd that ain't happened yet. So it ain't happened it's yet. It's another one. That's right. It ain't happened yet. And so that's the thing about it. Sometimes the prophecies appear to have been fulfilled and look like they've been fulfilled, but they haven't. The one he's talking about, it ain't, been, it ain't happened I yet. I like that were minor fulfillments or foreshadows. It was, it was a shadow. Sometimes prophecies happen increments, but the the final one is the big one. Right. When, when you look at, at the Old Testament, it is a shadow and a type of things to come. Yep. Every shadow and every type is a shadow and type of Jesus Christ and also of the prophecies of the end time and the prophecies of the church being fulfilled. It's all a picture of that. And, it, and it's similar to it, but it's just to show you the things that are coming to pass and what they're going to look like. And so this is what you see if you look at the Old Testament as a shadow and a type of things to come. And the reason we still need to keep studying the Old Testament because they ain't all happened yet. So we need to know what's coming. The New Testament gives us, and Revelation gives us a lot of detail about it. But the Old Testament gives you even more detail about the characters involved in it. Okay? And, and because they're seeing in their mind visions that John's seeing in, in Revelation that's also a vision because it hadn't happened yet. Okay? It's, it's kind of crazy, isn't it? But that's why study is so important. So the, the man of sin will be revealed. He is the son of perdition. And he is just like Judas was. And the same thing uh, happens with the beast uh, in chapter 13. We just studied that, uh, got through studying that in Revelation. And we're fixing to close here. We didn't get through with this. But we've got one more verse before we get. Uh, 13, 2 through 4, where it says, And the beast which I saw was likened to a leopard, and his feet were as the, as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion, and the dragon gave him his power, and his seat and great authority. And then he says, And I saw one of his heads as it were wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world wondered after the beast. So here's the, the phony resurrection. And they worshiped the dragon, which gave power unto the beast, and they worshiped the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? And so these are the things that we see in, in the scripture. And it also says that, uh, uh, that he wants to be worshipped as God. He wants to be worshipped as God. That's who he wants to be. And so he, he's going to be the, the uh, abomination of desolation that's in the temple. And, and I've told y'all, and, and I don't have no way of knowing this, it's just something I really, really lean toward. We keep waiting on them to start building the temple. We feel like we're going to see that. I don't. I don't feel like if you're raptured, I don't think you're going to see it. I think that the building of the temple is that first three and a half years that Antichrist and he wins the trust because he ain't so bad the first three and a half years. He ain't so bad because he's wanting to help them build that temple. Why? He wants to be God in that temple. So he's helping them build this temple. Now this is Gary. This is Gary's speculation. He's helping them build this temple when they get it built. He's, he's invited to the ceremony. He goes in there like he owns the place because he feels like he does. He's the reason they got to build it. 
He's the one that made it okay with the Arabs and the and the, and all the other Muslim nations. He made it okay because he's he, he's over all them. And he, and he helps them build that temple. He goes in there to the holiest of holies and he explains that curtain back sat down on that uh, ark if they got one in there on that holy place. And he said, "Here I am, worship me." And that's the abomination of desolation that's going to happen. And and they're going to say, oh, "No, you're not." And they're going to kick him out. And the next three and a half years, because from that day forward, he despises the Jews and he wants to annihilate them so he can have that Jerusalem and that temple. A lot of people say, well, why don't they just go in there and destroy that place? They're not. They, he don't want to destroy that place. He wants to, he wants to be Lord in that place. But it, it answers a lot of questions as a wise, 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 wise. Why don't they just drop a bomb in there and kill everybody? They don't want to destroy that so Jerusalem. You noticed all the capabilities that they got right now? They shoot at Tel Aviv all the time. I've heard of one missile being shot at Jerusalem. One. And I figure it was a misfire. They don't want to hit Jerusalem with missile. That city's as holy to that Muslim as it is to that Israeli. They don't want to hit it. Anyway, so let's look at this last verse right here, verse 5. And we'll crank up next Wednesday night in uh, verse 6 and on, on a little further. This is one that, I, that just gets me. Remember you not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things. He wrote them another letter we don't have. Well, actually, he didn't write them a letter. He said, when I was with you, I told you these things. And so he, we're not privileged to what he told them. It was evidently not written. If it was, we don't know about it. Okay? So the things that we just told about tonight... Paul said, remember you not that when I was with you, I told you these things. And after he tells them, I've already told you these things, then he tells them some more. That's what we'll get into in the next verses. Any questions or comments tonight? Y'all hope I haven't confused you. Too bad. Sometimes you get to studying this stuff, trying to make sense out of it, and it just all kind of goes, ooh, goes spinning around in your head. And try to keep up with it best you can. And, and when you when you look at these scriptures, and it's got so much to do with scripture, so many other scriptures, you just kind of pick out the ones that, that sound like you need to share them. And there's many other scriptures that relate to what we studied tonight. But we need to know this: if we're not careful, we can be deceived. If he, he's told these people, don't worry, don't let this get to you, don't worry in your mind. Don't, don't worry about these things. Don't, don't worry. And see, so we need to quit worrying about everything going on around us and start focusing on Jesus coming and being ready for when he comes. I think and, a lot of churches are scared of this, but I'm glad you're preaching and teaching on it. It's coming right out of the Word of God. We might get some things wrong about this, but I believe as the church is coming to the end, there's going to be more revelation given with with the way that things are unfolding, and uh, because Daniel said it would in the end that the, the latter day people, the saints, would know because it'd, it'd be during their time that this is talking about. So I believe the Holy Spirit will show more of it, and if you get it wrong, you're preaching it from your heart. You're preaching out of the Bible. God knows that. 
You're not up here trying to twist that up. You know what I mean? Because most churches won't even talk about this stuff. Yeah. yeah. And they don't talk about it because there's so many different viewpoints and different and, ideas. And they fear it's controversial to make them look stupid and they just avoid it. <laughs> That's the honest truth. Yeah. <clears throat> and I honestly may not have it right. You know, but I'm, I am, uh, I study this a lot and I'm preaching from my heart. And, and I really don't think that it's a coincidence when I'm sitting there studying something and these ideas start coming to me. They don't just, it ain't something I'm thinking of, they're coming, they come. And, and, if, and if you've ever spoken to God or had God speak to you, you know that's the way he speaks. That's the reason he addresses the mind of these people first because that's how we hear God, in our mind. Amen? Mm -hmm. Now, I've had one person tell me that they've heard an audible voice. I've never heard that. If I did, I'd probably have a heart attack. But I've never had that experience, and I've, heard, I've had multiple people actually tell me that they heard God speak audibly. And I don't never deny that. I just had never had it happen to me. So. So we hear God in our mind, and it, and we know in our heart that it is Him. That's the way Jesus said, you'll know my voice when you hear it. You'll know me when I'm talking to you. Would you stand? Thank y'all for being here tonight. Y'all be really, really careful going home. And uh, and I uh, hope to see y'all Sunday, Sunday morning, and uh, Sunday night if you can be here. Uh, God bless you. <clears throat> Brother Gene, would you dismiss it, please? God, most gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for a, a place we can come and hear all the words that you have written for us. Lord, not, not just what we need to hear or want to hear, but it's what applies to our lives. Lord, keeps us on straight and narrow path. I thank you for Brother Gary for doing that. Lord, I pray that you'd continue to deal with him and lay uh, the word upon his heart that you have us to hear. I pray that these people mentioned on the prayer list that you know each each person and the needs that they have. I pray that you just reach down and touch them and supply the very needs. And Lord, as we go on our way home, I pray that you give us traveling grace that you take us to our home safely.